Anime Pulse, episode 549. It is I, your host of Anime Pulse, with Andrew Chan, my co-host. Hi! Nice to be back. And we are doing this live! Ha ha! Woo! <laughs> Although there is... of many. Of, Wait, yes, of, of, of many. It's hundreds <laughs> of you here. Hello! Oh, hi! <laughs> so many people. Oh, yeah, just can't keep up with the chat. Jeez, oh, i got to get a bot to manage this. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, with that said, let's, uh, get into some IRL news. And I'll kick things off, as I have been. Wow, it has been a crazy week for me. Let's start off on Monday. I woke up, I couldn't hear out of my right ear. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was like I had an earplug in my ear, and nothing would fix it. In fact, there was even pain in my ear, like a pressure pain. So, uh, for the first time in roughly 10 months, I called out of work and said, I can't come in, my ear is messed up. And I had plenty of the pay time off, so they were like, eight hours, here you go, buddy. I was like, cool. I went into urgent care, and after falling asleep in the waiting room, because it took me an hour and a half to get to see the doctor. Uh, the This is how it went. I get into there, and after waiting another half an hour, the nurse comes in. She's like, all right, let's take a look. She puts the thing in my ear. She looks in. She says, huh. She leaves. The doctor comes in. She looks in my ear, and she says, oh, dear. Oh, oh, dear. And uh, she's like, all right, so this is what happened. Uh, you have a dual infection in your ear. Uh, I can see you have an infection on the uh, middle ear because I can see it. And I can see you have, or I can tell you have an infection on the inner ear because your eardrum is bubbling. Uh-oh. So she put me on some super heavy antibiotics, 825 milligrams of uh, amoxicillin, mm-hmm. uh, which is... Uh, horse pills basically i'm taking things that are the size of my thumb oh, um, wow yeah 
then she also put me on eardrops that go on the inside of the ear uh, because they are killing off the infection inside of there. It's a uh, um, cipridone or something like that, and it uh, basically it's a steroid and topical antibiotic. Mm-mm. And the final thing is I'm on painkillers too, so that's a triple triple down on medication for me that I don't normally take. That must have taken a lot out of you, that. A bit, a bit. It took a, f- a few days for me to get used to the amoxicillin. I actually broke out in kind of a rash. Um, it was a non-allergic reaction. I guess most people are sensitive to penicillin, which amoxicillin, oddly, you know, coincidentally enough, has penicillin in it. And so I ended up uh, breaking out in a rash that covered my stomach and chest. Uh, a non-itchy rash. It just looked very weird. Lots of red blotches all over my skin. Uh, oh. But that cleared up. I'm all better again. I'm a little... Good, good. I was a little itchy for a while, but uh, the itch mm-hmm. has gone away as well. And now I'm just kind of coasting along with this uh, amoxicillin cipridome thing until 10 days later when I'm going to go see the doctor again. She's going to poke a... Another thing in my ear and say, ah, it's cleared up or ah, it's still bad. Mm. Have you got any hearing still back at, at all? Oh, yeah. But yeah. what they did is also there is they're like, and you also have uh, some really bad earwax buildup in there as well. Um, oh. I don't know how that happened because I clean out my ears all the time. But they're like, yeah, it's it, you know, the infection's kind of like entwined in it. So what they did oh. is they she ended up pouring this blue liquid in my ear first that numbed the inside of my ear because she's like Mm -hmm. it's gonna hurt what we do next and then she brought in this like squeegee bottle she shoved a hose in my ear and then just squeezed out my ear and holy moly there was so much stuff in my ear it was disgusting (laughs) okay yeah it sounds like Mm. just kept pouring out of my ear and like the nurse would be like oh we got a big one and i'd look and like oh my (laughs) how did that come out of my ear (laughs) That, that one's a boy that one's a girl it's an alien comes out Ugh. <laughs> it was it was nasty but now okay. i can hear out of my ear just fine <clears throat> good, good. and uh there's no pressure it's not in any pain but i haven't been able to work out because the doctor said don't put anything in your ear besides the drops and what do i use when i work out earbuds, earbuds. yeah so i haven't been able to work out um yeah i just can't work out because I can't work out to the music they got playing in the gym. And I have no other headphones that can work with my my iPod. That would, you know, it, plus I wouldn't wear headphones that go over my ears anyways because that they just get all sweaty and stuff. And I would not be able to be into that. Mm-hmm. But Wait, so, uh, so currently are you wearing a headset or just a man speaker? I'm just, no, I'm wearing my headset. Because right. I got my... my uh, my earmuff headphones, the sound canceling kind. They're kind of like Bose, mm-hmm. um, knockoff boat headphones, basically, and they do pretty good. And I do like them. They're Bluetooth, and they go on the outside of the ear, so I can use them completely. They're fine. Nice. <clears throat> um, in regards to what else happened to my week, other than that. Uh, we got kicked out of work early because of a snowstorm and north nor'eastern that hit us on Wednesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. 
And it dropped a couple feet of snow in some areas. And uh, still, a lot of Massachusetts is still without power. Parts of New York are still without power. Uh, I am lucky. I have not lost any power, and I've been able to go to work just fine. Uh, although I almost wasn't able to go to work on Thursday, because when I was trying to get to work, I almost couldn't get up the hill. That The first hill I have to weave, which is called Widow Susan, uh, it's a pretty steep incline, and I almost couldn't make it up the hill because of the snow. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I uh, guess they're yeah. I guess it's be- it's better that way than like um, what was it? Do they get paid? Do you get paid time off if it's like a snow day in or something? Or I get where basically what happens is I think I've mentioned this before. Where hmm. if you're a salaried employee and the office is closed, yeah, you get paid for that time no matter what. Okay, okay. But if you're a salaried employee or if you're an hourly employee like myself. You get paid per hour. So if you clock out ahead of time, like I did, I left at lunchtime uh, because no one else was in the office, even though our warehouse manager was kind of like, well, I'm not going to close up shop because the roads aren't that bad right now. Uh, But the office was closed and I was the only one still there. So I was like, you know what? I got nothing else to do. I'm not going to sit here for another four or five hours, um, you know, twiddling my thumbs. So I'm just going to clock out early. I did yeah. that, and what you have to do is you just have to put in the PTO to uh, make up for those hours you're going to be losing, mm-hmm. which is fine, because I have something like in the range of 36 hours of PTO left right now. Um, PTO. Paid time off. Ah, okay. okay. Yeah, and the nice thing about PTO is that you can use it for anything. Not feeling well when you wake up one day? PTO. You know, the office is closing early because of snowstorm? PTO. Your family's in visiting, you want to hang out with them? PTO. Just don't want to go into work? PTO. Hmm. And it has to be approved no matter what, because that's what PTO is. There's no, are you actually sick? You have to use it for sick leave. Sick leave. No, it's just PTO. You get it off. It's your vacation and your, your sick time combined into one easy-to-use function. That's good. Very efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see... So that happened on Wednesday. I finally was able to attend family night for the first time in months. Uh, I went to the 99 restaurant, which is a kind of a um, kind of a sports grill, sports bar kind of place, um, similar to a Tully's, similar to a, a Ruby Tuesdays, um, similar to a uh, a TGI Fridays. Or a recovery bar, sports bar and grill. Anything like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it was pretty good. I had the... Uh, I had the... Uh, the... Haddock, or not Haddock, the Cod uh, BLT. Which was a BLT with a very thick slab of uh, fish. Breaded fish. Fried fish that was in the uh, in the sandwich and it was on like a a broche bun oh yeah, yeah. so it was mm-hmm. like that softer bun and yeah, yeah. i had no tomato because i don't like tomatoes so it was oh. delicious and i had it with uh, some some herbed mashed potatoes which were pretty good nice nice yep and see here 
uh this weekend i was able to try out the new fire emblem heroes thing oh. that uh, came out the new banner oh, yeah 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 yeah. which has mm-hmm. both morgans male and yep. female male and female and yep. it has a new chrome Mm-hmm. and i was able to land a female morgan wow is that the one you wanted i take it or oh yeah oh yeah like fem- okay. female morgan's super adorable like, oh, I liked her in Awakening because she was like, I don't remember my parents. And then she's like, here, mom, I got you this. And the mom's like, wow, that polka dot dress is really something. She's like, how about this one? She's like, that's really revealing. Your father might like that, but I don't know about wearing that in public. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, Morgan, you're so great. You're so Ah, uh, okay. Mm. So and in great. this game, it's great because she's a wyvern knight with blue with blue tome, which is quite rare oh, yeah. to have. That's the, the only other unit that has that is... Uh, is Beach, Beach Corrin. Mm-hmm. Which I don't have, so that's good to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's pretty darn powerful. I haven't yeah. really implemented her to yet. I did put her in with a team. I've been uh, messing around with teams. I've kind of just been mm-hmm. uh, trying out new things. I mean, they opened up that new map, uh, which oh, is yes. like the, the, the sanctuary. mob one? Yeah. You mean the bit where you get like the whole, um, you can get all your friend allies together? It's like a huge map? You mean that one? No, 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 not that one. No. It's the map where only certain units that have been blessed oh. by yeah, 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 certain things can participate in the certain maps. Definitely worth doing, by the way, because if you do all of them, the ones that are out right now, you have 30, 30 orbs up for grabs. Oh, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's a definitely. Time, so. And you get the, uh, the do, which you can't get anywhere else except for by spending the gold pieces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or yeah, like the yeah, exactly. amber, yeah, you can exactly. get dew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was able to get my hands on some dew, and mm-hmm. I'm almost there where I can actually level up one of the characters' weapon because it requires dew instead of the uh, mm-hmm. instead of the uh, uh, the, the amber the, shard, the fragments. Yeah, yeah, the fr- yeah, instead of the amber fragments. Okay, which weapon are you planning on upgrading? Uh, it is the axe. It's the only character that requires it. It's the axe for the red-headed wyvern chick. Cherish. Um, Cherish? Maybe. Is it Cherish? Uh, she's an older Oh, Minerva. Chick. You're talking about Minerva. Minerva, yes. Her ah, axe yeah. requires do to upgrade. Yeah. And, uh, she, mm-hmm. yeah. She's actually one of the first gold characters I got a hold of, so I plan mm, on doing really that She's really good, for her. by the way. She's actually one of the top uh, axe users in the game. I, I'd want her, too. She's pretty good. Which is surprising, because mm-hmm. I almost don't use her at all anymore. Oh. Um, yeah. I got a lot of good characters now. Yeah. Uh, oh, but also, similarly with that banner, I've, I've not gotten anything from that, but I did get, uh, before that evil characters thing finished, I did get oh, another yeah? Celica on the first draw. Which just goes to show that the 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 percentage chance of getting characters is complete bullshit because that was the first time and I had only 3% chance of getting her but I got another evil Celica and this one has like the right stats so now I have like yeah. a plus Celica like well the evil one by the way she lost the voting gauntlet yeah I was gonna bring that up that is bullshit <laughs> that was another case of people on the other side saving up their flags and being like we won't let the top waifu here win because my waifu didn't win rawr 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, for the most of the time, Evil Celica was winning. And, oh yeah, um, yeah. And then right at the end, they were like sniped it. 
Yeah, I was like, at the very end, you saved it. You fucking eBay motherfuckers out there waiting till the last second to get the item. I, I was I was trying to be strategic with that too. I was only spending my flags when Celica was losing, so that you know that you get a bonus to their army that you add to her side if 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 Celica's losing at that point. So I was being strategic, but and I spent all of my flags and still nope, still lost. It was absolute bullshit. We were up like <laughs> ten thousand, and yeah, all yeah. of a sudden they're like, "Oh no, we're winning!" Ha ha. Mm-hmm. So it- garbage. One one day we will actually have a character we we we'll back actually win the whole thing. It's never happened with me so far ever. But oh, it happened to me when I backed uh, Christmas Tharja. Oh no, she lost to Lisa. Remember? Or not Christmas Tharja? Um, oh, was it regular in, Tharja? Was, hmm, was it? It was. Yeah, I think it was regular was Tharja right? because they were doing like <laughs> the. Uh, yeah. It was regular Tharja. It was Raja. It was also mm-hmm. participating in it. And regular Tharja made it to the end. Oh, by the way, speaking of which, um, I also managed to convert one of our listeners onto the Fire Emblem side of things. I noticed in the forum, uh, you ah. know, Queen Anoe, one of our listeners, she's like, now I, because you guys keep talking about it, I've tried Fire Emblem Heroes and I'm enjoying it. So it's like, yes, we've converted uh-huh. many more people <laughs> over. Yes, come to the dark side. <laughs> yes. We have summons. <laughs> Leave Pokemon Go, it's shit. Come over here. Yeah, if anyone still knows uh, what that is. And aside from that, I'm also playing more Mass Effect Andromeda, which is still yep. a crappy game. Uh, yep. I continue to read up about it because I was interested to see if there's any single player DLC coming. I hate EA. I hope they all choke on their own dicks because they uh-huh. announced that the Corian DLC, which was going to talk about the arc that was supposed to arrive but was held up. Yep. Um, that would have all the other cool races, the Hanar, the Elcor, the Bertarians, the fucking, the little short ones in their suits and stuff. All those care, all those, including the Quarians, which are the fucking favorite race ever, which EA was totally just jerking off on and trying to be like, all right, here, we're going to bank on these being DLC. People will always buy it because it's Quarians. Well, yep. they scuttled it and they scrapped the DLC and they have confirmed they're now turning it into a visual novel. What? Yay! Wait, the I game like, is becoming a visual novel, or what? No, the DLC that they're going to release. They're going to turn it into a uh, novel that's going to be written by a famous author. And I'm like, shoot yourselves in the head, EA. Just end it all, because you guys suck. You're ruining everything. <laughs> we don't want to read a novel, goddammit. We want fucking oh, Korean waifus and husbandos in our game. The stuff that should be in the game, but you motherfuckers lifted out because you were like, <laughs> we got a new alien race. We can't have the Koreans because they look too similar. Fuck mm. you. Wow. Fuck you. <laughs> I've, I've fuck, never... fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Keys in the eye right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've never heard of that. Has, has, ever, has that ever happened ever where a company released like a DLC as a visual novel? That's just weird. They've done similar things in the past where they've made kind of visual novel-esque stuff where it's been like a comic book style to transition from game to game because of the leap in consoles. But for this one, the DLC was confirmed. It was planned. Mm. People were talking about it as like, ah, the Ark DLC, the Corian Ark DLC is coming. Don't worry, guys. We'll get our Corians. Don't worry. Mm. Nope. No Corians for us. Most importantly... Is it paid DLC or is it free DLC? Oh, it was going to be paid DLC. 
Oh, of course. <laughs> it's EA we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. But so you're going to have to pay for a visual novel? <laughs> yeah, now you just have to pay for the Jesus. novel, which who knows when that's coming. It's supposed to be released sometime in the summer of 2018, but knowing EA, they might just cancel it and they'll be like, oh, we're moving on to the bigger game that we're making that's supposed to make us millions of dollars because oh, everything yeah. else we do has been going down the shitter lately because we got politicians on our ass for the loot boxes. Mm-hmm. Is it? Just, do you know if it's visual novel in the sense of like those Japanese games where like there's flags and you can choose like routes? There will be stuff a... like that. It'll kind of be like their comic they put out, which was like Mass Effect Paragon or something like that, where um, it described the transition between Mass Effect two to three. I think it was. It was either two to three or one to th- one to two, and mm-hmm. it allowed you to convert your choices over from the first game or no, the second game to the third game. Right. Um, okay. By doing that. Okay. Right. Right. Are you gonna yeah. buy it? Most importantly. Uh, it depends. I'll have to see what other people say about it if it's worth buying because I do like Corians, and I totally have a really good idea of how they could have done Mass Effect better, Mass Effect yep. Andromeda better, yep. but I'll have to wait and see if there's any news on whether this book is any good. Right, right. So yeah, yeah. Still waiting patiently for when we do the crossover, and you end up doing the a video game review for Video Game Pulse, and they've done their anime review already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that does it for my IRL news. On to okay. yours. All right. So, uh, fuck my life. Let's just go straight to the community stuff. Um, there's some comments and stuff for the episodes. So there's like one on the. Uh, five four seven Surizuri Citrus Clear by Moment. It's a very long-winded name, I suppose, because so many shows. Uh, first one's by Zaldera, <laughs> who said that this episode has far higher emoto quotient than I would have liked. Higher than currently safety limits allow. You need to stop that before we get arrested because you mentioned the I word one too many times. Now, where's the gif of from Black Bullet of pe- uh, police being called? Ah, here it is. Um. You know, the funniest thing about that one is that the whole Emoto thing being so prominent in that episode was totally unintentional because, you know, you covered, like, a top ten list of it. And then, like, my review of Citrus just suddenly happened to have it in there. I just expected (laughs) to go in that and it would just be, like, a, you know, Yuri flick. But then it also happens to have the Emoto element in there for some reason. So we just just couldn't escape it. And then I just kind of bantered with him a little bit about Black Bullet gifts because those are funny, getting arrested. And then there's a comment by Yotaro Vegeta, which I believe you responded to. I didn't understand most of it because it's like, it's like, it's time to talk about harems, I guess. And then he says anime pulse. And I don't know what that's in relation to. And then he says, Mouse was an explicit anime. I didn't really watch a lot of it. So maybe I didn't get to the Juicy Bitch. Uh, catchy theme song though. No, Emoto Jiru is not younger sister Justice. Justice! Maybe the alcohol is kicking in on old Joey. It's younger sister Juice, a fitting name for a harem hentai involving step siblings. If the protag of Yosuga no Sora wasn't into just banging his sister in the softcore porn fashion brackets, it would it would have been a harem Joey could enjoy. I think the game it's based on is actually a harem. And this is the route the anime went with. I'm tapped out on harem, so I'll go into the other end of the spectrum. Andrew, aren't the characters in Clear Card only in middle school? I didn't really watch Card Capture as a kid, but I thought that they were kids in the series, and in this one, they would be in early high school. 
Um, so actually, answering the Yos- you should probably have you heard of Yosuke no Sora? I'm not sure what he's what he's talking about there first. Uh, Yosuke no Sora was a anime about a brother and sister who leave to the countryside to fulfill mm-hmm. their romance because I believe their family doesn't support it. Okay. And then and, they end up like mm-hmm. meeting other characters who are interested mm-hmm. in the fact that they're romancing one another. Right. So is it, is is he correct? If if he wasn't into banging his sister, would would it be a harm you could enjoy or not interested at all? Uh, I mean, I don't mind it when the characters want to bang the little sister. <laughs> hasn't that been? Hasn't that been like uh, made prominent enough? No, no. But now it's made canon in the anime pulse cinematic universe, so we now know. <laughs> okay. Ah. Okay, but so you, have you watched this this anime he's talking about? I watched a little bit of it. Um, oh. It didn't really grab me because it had a lot of drama in it. Okay. Uh, and, then, and then answering the second part he's talking about, um, no, Sakura, I thought they were in middle school going on high school into the series. And that's because like, when I was a kid, I watched it in English dub first, then Japanese dub. I thought that they were, but actually, no. Uh, clarifying, they are an element. They were in elementary school in the original series, and now they're just going into middle school. It's weird, especially when you consider that she was in love with a high schooler who's now a college student when she was in elementary school, and a lot of the other stuff is really weird too. Because it's like you know how many elementary school kids get to go skiing and all these other extreme stuff that Sakura got to go do, but <laughs> you know that's neither here nor there. But yeah, no, confirmed. She's she's just starting middle school in Clear Card. She used to be in elementary school in the original. And I think that does it for comments on that one. And then there's one comment on the newest episode, Insufferable Aho, episode 548, by Zaldera. He says, I am HO is meant to be in my humble opinion. So I got it wrong when I said honest opinion. Um, wow, I feel old as no one seems to use that abbreviation. And in fact, too many people, no, too many double down and just state their opinions as facts and harass people that don't agree with that. Very popular online these days, I agree. Anyways, uh, personally, I feel that life is too short to waste on bad anime. And if a series doesn't grab your attention after three episodes, it's best to just drop it and move on. And I wouldn't slate you for making an opinion based on that. That's just my very humble opinion. Now, uh, I definitely agree with that opinion. Um, especially, you know, I drop anime all the time. Like you know, like a lot of the ones I mentioned in my lightning round, I, I dropped a lot of those. The ones that don't get previewed. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with, if if something doesn't grab you, life's too short, there's so much anime out there, just go watch a better show. Um, but if this is in regards to what I was talking about in terms of the video game Pulse review, that's, that my perspective is a bit different on that front. I feel like if it's a review, you know, you sort of owe it in terms of credibility for the review to, to get for a decent portion of it. I mean, three episodes out of 12 is like a quarter of the show. And you know, there's a lot of shows that I've watched where, okay, like, from episode three, I could tell, oh, I'm going to love this show. But then there's ones that's the opposite. Like, um, episode three of Sword Art Online is my favorite episode um, of Sword Art Online. But if I was to review it from there, I'd be like, oh, this is a great anime. You'll enjoy it. But then I would completely discount the part where they go to Alpheim Online, the second arc. And then there's that big thing with, like, his sister liking him. And, and what was like, episode uh, three about? Episode 3 was Red Nose Reindeer, which, like, he's been ousted as a beta tester, and Kirito's now on his own. Like, he's now fending for himself. And then, like, he, he's now... This is the episode about a guy who, like, learns to trust other people around him. So he joins a guild called, like, 
Moonlight Black Cats or something. And he ends up oh, forming that... a relationship with one of the girls there called Sachi. And, right, um, and then she ends up getting dead yeah, by yeah. a trap and, room. Mm-hmm. And then he and tries then, to, like, fight Santa Claus to get a... Bring her back, yeah. Bring her back, but it turns mm-hmm. out that the thing's only good for, like, the first few seconds after they die. Yeah, because otherwise the nerve gear would have killed them anyway, so it definitely wouldn't have worked by then. So it's, yep. it was way too late to bring her back. So it, it it works really well in that regard because um, I really like that episode because especially if you if you know about the original source material, like it goes even deeper in that Sachi and Kirito shared um, inventories, which if you know what that means in SEO lore, uh, it means that they got married at one point. So they were much closer in the original source material than they were in the in the anime. But it still was really well done in the anime and it ends in a very somber note. It's about a guy who tries to open up to people. It tells a very complete story. A guy tries to open up, he tries to help what little people he can, and then through his own mistakes, they all suffer, and then he closes himself off until eventually he meets Asuna, which, which again, I guess brings more uh, meaning to his relationship that he later forms with Asuna, and that she's able to break him out <laughs> and trust someone not to die on him. So, just you know. The, just the way you say Asuna, it's like Asuna. <laughs> Asuna, like, she, doesn't, yes. she doesn't have that much of an ass on her, though. Nah, that's... Oh. The only thing <laughs> well, she really has going sure. for her is her personality. I mean, she doesn't have much of a bust or, or a butt. Oh, yeah. Like, there's there's no way people will look for, like, original clips that will show any particular part of her and buy it for outrageous <laughs> prices on Amazon or some shit. No, 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 no. But, yeah, my, my example there is, like, you know, from that episode, if I had just watched the three episodes there, I would have been like, oh, download now. Great show. Really like it. It's going to be like that for the rest of it. But then Alpha M Online happens, like halfway through and i don't like that arc <laughs> just just everything about it is wrong and you know that's what i mean it's like there's anime that i like that got worse than anime I, like that were bad but got be- like better or more tolerable by tolerable by the end so i feel like it's fine to drop it and be like yeah i formed my opinion but in context of a review if that's what you're talking about with this comment um especially <laughs> the one with hajime to no girl like I'm pretty sure Hajime to no Go is shit. I'm pretty sure it's going to stay that way all the way through. But just in that minute chance it doesn't and actually gets better and has depth, I wouldn't consider putting it out like forward as a review unless I've watched the whole thing. That's just my opinion on that matter, I guess. Uh, it's my very humble opinion, as you put it, I guess. So, yeah, I, I guess we can... Uh, on to the forums side of things. There's finally more input on your, your topic that you made uh, called Tearjerkers. A whole... anime that made people cry or you know close to it so the first one's by midnight crew and the last two anime anime that i can remember making me cry would be oh, wait no i already did i read this one shit what am i no no no, no it's, i'm not it would be my hero academia and hanasaka iroha both for very different reasons Macadamia does it by showing really likable characters going beyond their limits to achieve their goals. And it does it in such a way that it makes you cry from the sheer hype. Of particular note, of particular note is the scene in season one where All Might shows up to save the class and fights the Nomu. If there is a top 10 most hype moments in anime, then that scene deserves to be on it. Hanasaka Iroha, on the other hand, or again, as I like to call child abuse, on the other hand, made me cry towards the end because of the very sentimental, bittersweet way in which it wraps up. As someone who's already way too prone to getting sentimental and who could sympathize a lot with some of the characters in the show, it really got to me. And then next one, actually, is by uh, Queen Inoue, 
who says, For me, the end of Sword Art Online Season 2 made me cry. A lot. Which makes me kind of excited, I guess, because I've only just recently started watching Season 2 of Sword Art Online. Uh, I waited for the hype to sort of die down, and I'm getting into it now. So I, I'm hoping that it will, will get a reaction from me too, Queen Inoue. I hope, I hope that that's not misplaced faith there. Uh, next one's by Rampant uh, Rampant AI, um, who says, It has to have a good story, great characters, and it's well-directed. Yeah, I can get teary-eyed. I can't think of one recently in particular, but one that I'll long remember is the scene in FMA Brotherhood, that's Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, where Winry mm-hmm. learns that the man who killed her parents is Scar, and she has to be talked down by Ed from the stray pistol she picked up during the battle scene and is using it against him. It's a very emotional scene that's been slowly built up as a B-plot slash backstory over the series, and this all gets sudden thrust into the foreground. At the same time, the soundtrack plays the episode's outro, Miho F- oh no, Miho Fukuhara's Let It Out, in a dramatic crescendo, and oh boy, yeah, tears have fallen. I am like, what the fuck, I am crying here. So those are the moments that made people cry in anime, just a little update from last week's topic, so... Thanks for the input, everyone. It's good to know. And then we move to the most recent topic, uh, which is about anime that you've chosen to drop and why. So starting off, we have Midnight Crew again, who says, Looking over my drop section on anime list, I can say that most of my shows aren't exactly god-awful terrible. They just went for several episodes without really hooking me in any way. Nothing kept me excited, nothing kept my attention, and nothing even hinted at more excitement. Coming further down the line, as someone who's willing to enjoy good parts of otherwise meh shows, with some exceptions, it isn't pre- it isn't presence of too much uh, too too much bad that makes me drop stuff, uh, but the almost complete absence of anything good. Boredom is a show killer for me, so I asked him to kind of specify which shows, and he he went forward and said, um, "Beatless and Clockwork Planet were both insufferably cliche and heartless. If it doesn't feel like the team cares a wit, I mean, I think I think he means a bit about their own." Sh- own show, then how am I supposed to? Then you've got things like Dai's Ira... No, shit. How do you pronounce Dai's Ira... Dai's Ira... And Jikan no Shihasha. Shihasha? Jikan no Shihasha? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. That at least feel like they've got a modicum of passion put into them, but still end up doing nothing that really hooks you. Aside from those, there are a few shows that just didn't do it for me. And even though I can't say they're objectively bad shows, like Shokuku no Alter and Just Because. Oh yeah, I remember Just Because. I watched it Just Because. Uh, Next is Saldera, who says, Oh, I am sure I answered a similar question to this before. I tend to not drop shows. I either suffer through to the bitter end or don't watch them in the first place. And if they don't seem interesting to me. Having said that, two shows that um, I did drop are Camphor and K-On Season 2. Campfire I dropped because the main protagonist was showing such obnoxious ignorance and stupidity to the situation around themselves that eventually I could not take any more and stopped watching after two and half uh, no after two and a half episodes. I'm sure an abridged parody of it was made and was far more interesting than the actual show. K on season two was far per- uh, was far personally more tragic affair for me. I watched and loved the first season, but the second one just failed to hold my interest. With, with what felt like a, a repetition of the same tropes and situations from the first season, and not in an interesting way, I ended up drifting away from it after four episodes and the intention of with the intention of returning to it, but years later, I still haven't done so. But wait, on another note, um, I don't understand why Campfire is so popular. I haven't really watched it, but for some reason it's really high up there. 
Uh, I, I don't know why people really like it in terms of its manga and stuff. But if someone can film me on that, me. like PM me. What? What? You, do you, have you watched it? No. Okay. Okay. If someone can film me in, like message me on that. I, I don't understand why. Why does that one seem so liked at the moment? Uh, then there's Queen Inoue who says the first ever anime drop was Peach Girl. Every episode, I was sitting there like seriously, and got to the point where I felt like I hated it. Dropped. I also dropped Mirai Nikki Future Diary. I believe it's also called. What? Because. What? Oh, oh, what? Is that blasphemy? Because blasphemy. <laughs> here's her reasoning. Because I didn't realize it was going, uh, I didn't realize going into it that it was a horror. The other ones are ones I never actually watched, but looked looking at them, I decided I really didn't want to watch them. So that's my anime drops. Again, it does take a bit for me to drop something. Peach Girl, I believe, was nine episodes when I dropped it, and Mira Nikki was about four episodes in. The others I didn't even watch, so... And then the last comment. Actually, before I go into the last comment, so do you want to you want to defend the new Nikki at all? <laughs> or it, it's I don't know how to put it. Uh, it's it takes like I said. It takes I've mentioned it before, but Miraniki. I don't say it's a horror. Uh, I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, I don't think it's scary at all. I mean, mm. it's definitely psychological. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk about death and killing and other unsavory topics, but yeah. not necessarily a horror. I mean, even another was more of a horror than Miraniki. Oh, yeah, De- definitely. Well, I've not watched Miraniki personally, but I know that another's really trying to be a horror anime. Mm-hmm. So Miraniki, it's just people fighting to the death to control the world. That's really, that's about it. And the one dude who ends up winning makes everyone have a happy ending, except for him. And then the OVA deals with, I think it's an OVA, or might be an OED, or it could also be a movie. I can't remember at this point. Whatever it is, there is another follow-up to that where he does get some uh, Yuno Gasai waifu saving his ass because he's being a uh, emo bitch about like, oh, I'm just going to float in dead space with my version of uh, the little brown lolly who followed Deus everywhere. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, one of the complaints I actually get from Mirai Nikki is that like, Yuno Gasai is like the only likable character in it. Would you say that's appropriate or? Eh, there are some other likable characters in it, but uh, Yuki is definitely an unlikable character just because he's always when he's treading the line he's good but okay. usually he's either super emo bitchy or he's just very abusive there's right. like no middle to him when he is being middle when he actually is enjoying Yuno's company and he's being nice to her and they're like kind of having a stable relationship that's kind of humorous because Yuno is still very psychotic for uh, Yuki. And so, like, even when his father shows up, she's like, I'm going to stab him if he says anything mean to you. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Be, be cool. Be cool. Calm. <laughs> I, see, I see. Yeah, chill. Chill, Yuno. Chill, chill. chill. She's like, all right. All right. Well, only because you asked me to. I, I appreciate the gesture, but <laughs> that will not be necessary here. Right. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So he could be better, but, you know, um, apart from that, there are the other likable characters. Yes. So yeah. So yeah. So would you recommend she pick it up again then, or if she could stomach getting through some of the like 
I don't know how sensitive she is to those topics that would make her to think it's a horror, but if she can stomach more of them, um, then I definitely say give it another try because it's good. Oh, okay. But there you go. There's the there's the seal of approval. This endorsement. I'm definitely gonna pick it up at some point. It's in my it's in my to watch list. I'll, I'll let you know what I think when I get to it. Um, and then there's the last comment for this this topic by Yotaru Vegeta. Um, running things off, he says droppings. I see what you did there. I never really I I've I've been really slow about dropping shows this season, but I hit the eject button on Ryo's work is never done, or as I referred to it in my preview. Um. March comes in like a lolly. Uh, this is not for me on, for so many reasons. First off, it felt like it was an insult to March comes in like a lion to have this other show about Shogi just creeping in. It's, it is about Shogi and they don't use Shogi just as a window dressing. Unlike more dramatic, unlike, um, unlike the more dramatic and serious lion, they play Shogi in a shonen battle tournament style with their fucking colourful art character archetypes. Then comes Emoto. There is oh, is she in a moto? <laughs> anyway, there is a lolly who is the focus of this show. For some reason, if one little girl doesn't does wasn't enough for you, then all of her classmates join the cast. Ex- yep, this is kind of a lolly harem. Don't worry, fans, because we all know the way older main char- uh, main character only has eyes for only one little. Uh, oh shit! I accidentally zoomed in the page and lost my place. Shit! Uh, older main character only has eyes for only one little girl he shouldn't be hanging out with. Even though the first season is at merciful 12 episodes, I have given up after two. It has a score of 6.97 on Mal, which means that there's a tiny hope for anime fandom. I expected it to have a 7.5 or an 8. If you want your naked lollies, don't let my utter disdain stop you. (laughs) Uh, A classic drop for me was also Amnesia. Uh, Oh dear baby Jesus, Amnesia. I don't like Otomi harems, but I give everything a shot. This was so badly written that I wanted to devour my own eyes after a couple of episodes. I dropped this I dropped this like uh, the steamy turd it is. It is only slightly lower on Mal than Ryo, and that's probably because of the Bishis. I guess that's Bishojo? I don't know. Uh, so there you have it. Trash for boys and trash for girls. Enjoy. And that does us for the forum topics. And Honorable mention for before we close off the community section is an email from Yotaro Vegeta titled Joy. And it, the email contains a lack of joy. I don't know how to put it except <laughs> with the Kizuna eye thing I shared you with earlier on that just says fuck you. Um, it's a sale for Right Stuff Anime's website that says your Onisan will always be there. It's a little sister's sale. Um, save off to 40% off our sister's weekly special. <laughs> so it says, your Nissan will always be there, but these prices won't. And it's like, just just to add insult to injury, just a little bit of insult there. They put on the fucking Umaru-chan or whatever from like that Himoto Umaru-chan is like the mascot for this section. So like, the worst little sister represents the worst idea for a sale on an anime website. Um, at the very bottom of the advertisement includes the phrase, Pro- protect these savings at all costs. I see I see what you did there, and fuck you. Um, there's a bunch of other items on sale, such as Testament of Sister and New Devil Season, which you've told me isn't really about little sisters in general. It just, it just contains a character that calls him Onisama or something, or Onichan. Um, I do mm-hmm. like the Himoto Umaru-chan stress ball. Um, the idea of squeezing that until it is shapeless and doesn't <laughs> actually have its, like original shape does 
does appeal to me. I, I do wish to tear it uh, just from the stress that looking at it causes me. There are other shitty stuff like your Umaru-chan DVDs, your box sets. There's other anime that doesn't even feel like it should be here, like Attack on Titan. I, I, I mean, I guess there is an Maybe there's an Emoto in Attack on Titan, but it's not very prominent. Like, it's not very uh, mainstay of the show. But apart from that, you have things like Ori Emo, obviously, there. Lucky Star for no discernible reason. And, you know, one of your favourite animes, actually. The Honor Student at the Magic High School that you like. I guess that also has an Emoto in it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Big time. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that has that. So you got got all those sales. uh, Right Stuff Anime. It's almost like we're being endorsed, except I'm dissing this entire sale and... The cipher. These <laughs> names just fucking are cancer. This one's called Annie Emo Manga. It's like Annie Emoto the manga. I and the picture is cancer too. The Kuroneko. I, I there is like a Kuroneko manga here as well. She's not a little sister, but she has little sisters. And this might actually appeal to some people. I think because um, I think this is like a spinoff. It's separate and it's focused on Kuroneko and not on Kirino. Not that I have a huge. Not that I even have a huge problem with Kirino, but, you know, I think I think I stand for the majority in some ways when I say Kuroneko was definitely, um, she got snubbed out of the race. Snubbed at the Oscars. Yeah. I don't know how they put it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, think I, mean, she, I think she earned I'll it. I'll definitely agree with that. But, you I know, think we she all did know my, She earned it. My you know? choice was... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Of course, <laughs> ISA was your, was your choice, but yeah, yeah. I just in feel fact, like she one, did the, one of the up. first girls to actually be around besides the sister, because we yeah, meet yeah. the sister first, but then ISA actually ends up showing up almost immediately after that. Yeah, yeah, she does, and and you can kind of it's it's weird. The only thing that gets me kind of weird though is like you know you're liking her like the, the the sense that she's a little bit like yandere and a bit like obsessed over him in some ways, like with the whole when she looked after him when he lived in the same house. But then there's also this. The the segment where she really loves his sister, like as a well, best that friend, existed she says. before she liked him. Yeah, she's yeah. liked his sister before she liked mm. him, and he was helping her get with his little sister so that he could get closer to her. Like he was trying yeah. to help her, like approach yeah. his little sister in the right way. But you know, her yonder day mm. side would come out, and eventually she started pushing that onto him because he was helping her so much that mm. she was like. Well, his little sister's not going to mm. reciprocate my feelings in the way I want, but well, he is. I don't, he I don't know if I'm directly quoting anything here, but um, I also got the sense that like she wasn't really like okay, she lo- maybe she did fancy him or loved him, but like it felt like she was partially getting close to him just because it's like the next best thing of being closer to his sister. You get you get what I mean. I think that was oh, yeah, something she that. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like it's not necessarily that she was just obsessed with him. It's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry you, so I can officially be like in the same family as your sister. You know what I mean? It's like, um, not sure if I'm okay with that. You know, like if you're gonna marry me, wouldn't it be like it's better if you marry me for me, not because you want to be closer to my sister? You know, it's a bit weird, don't you think? Yeah, I mean. No. I definitely wouldn't want to be used by a Yandere who is like, I'm going to marry you just so that I am in the same family now as your brother or sister or uncle or whatever. Um, I would definitely prefer their attention to be focused on me. So Mm -hmm. it would kind of feel like (laughs) it almost kind of feel like you're being NTR'd 
by your own your own wife because she's like i'm not marrying you for you i'm marrying you for your brother yeah mm-hmm. pretty much um and this all comes back full circle to the first comment about how zelda said that we have reached our emoto quotient for this episode i think we should probably actually move on with that in mind. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he's probably having a nosebleed right now with his brain just <laughs> oh, exploding yeah. just like mm-hmm. not a good it's not one of the healthy nosebleeds you get in anime it's the it's a healthy no type. no Alright then, so let's move on to our industry news. Um, which we'll have to run through pretty quickly here. Okay, wrap. First up, I have here. So I've, we've talked about virtual YouTubers before. Uh, we got another virtual YouTuber who, is co- who uh, has been out for quite a while. She's been out since 2016. And uh, she's kind of super popular. She's got 1.5 million subscribers. Her name is Kizuna Ai. Uh, QC little girl wears a red headband, got some red highlights in her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, a pretty, <laughs> pretty amusing bit of gifts that come out about <laughs> her. Fuck you, fuck, fuck you. <laughs> I saw it too, fuck yes. you. Yeah, she's pretty, pretty adorable. Um, she has now been endorsed as Japan's ambassador for the new Come to Japan campaign, which is a campaign which is basically trying to get those foreigners, those darn foreigners, to come to Japan and stay. Ooh. And uh, basically, she's going to be out there talking up, you know, the cool aspects, the wonderful things about Japan that make you want to come and, you know, try it. Uh, like <laughs> one of her first videos that came out, she talked about sushi. Ah, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she talks about the way to eat sushi, what sushi is, you know, how delicious it is, delicious it is and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can get anyone to come to your place if you do food. Mm-hmm. I do think that's really good foresight where, like, you know, official government or tourism bodies are actually, like, look, branching out to, like, popular icons, like, even on YouTube and using them for their campaigns. That That's kind of, that's pretty neat, you know? So, uh, so we got, uh, we got a person, um, who I'm assuming since they have endorsed her as, uh, a, uh, ambassador of a campaign for Japan, they know what her true identity is, but, um, because we all know what happened the last time a virtual YouTuber was found out as being like a 40 year old man, um, And, oh, and make it hurt some more people interested in coming to Japan. <laughs> I think I, I got this from a comment, but I really hope that it's. I actually do hope that it's like a a forty year old, like similar, like unemployed, the greasiest, just bearded guy ever. Just just to get you know, it'll be it'll be funny. Just just the reactions will be great. This, the salty fans will be fantastic, you know. Or maybe it's actually a. Uh... A little, like when the camera goes away, all of a sudden it's a girl who's wearing a mask. It looks oh, like oh, no, it oh, just oh, looks like no, the he's in the eye character. That's strange. Oh, okay. oh right, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. Just just hint at it. Don't go back to it. Emoto quotient. Emoto quotient. There we go. Yeah. 
Wait, why is she stamping her foot on the floor? What is that? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you for that story? We done? We yeah, good? I'm good. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about child pornography. Ronin Kenshin mangaka gets fined two hundred thousand yen. This is a continuation of the previous article in which he got arrested or something on suspicion of carrying it, and now it's actually went through and he's been charged with two hundred thousand yen in fines, which comes to about 1900 or something dollars which to me doesn't especially if you're like a a famous mangaka who has made you know made a lot of money off it i don't think that's going to be too much of a heavy blow on him to be honest but you know it's still something um back in back in the old days uh similar to like other other stuff uh carrying the whole child pornography thing wasn't like illegal in japan officially but just distributing it was it has now been changed so yep. people are supposed to have disposed of it by now, but unfortunately he's been, or fortunately, I don't know, he's been caught um, trying to buy more uh, when before he got arrested. So he was buying more illegal DVDs, including kids that were in their early teens. And it doesn't help that when he was um, admitted to, invest- he actually admitted to investigators that he actually likes girls from late elementary school to early middle school age. So that's, that's kind of a bummer. Um, and, you know, as the cherry on top, which I covered last time, was that, you know, his series, Ronin Kenshin, had just started its sequel manga after the Hokkaido arc. Um, it's been discontinued by Shueisha, possibly indefinitely, uh, in light of these charges that broke. So, that's that. You can move on, I guess. I will definitely put my input here and say oh. I don't think it's the end for him, because oh, yeah. Ronin Kenshin is just one of those classic manga animes that was like well loved by a lot of people Mm. out there Mm. um and i don't think that this very minor um fine uh and the allegations against him of oral allegations the confirmation that he had child pornography Mm. is actually gonna push away too many people or too many publishers away from him i Um, guess not he's not gonna be financially crippled that's one thing for sure I don't think no. he'll be hurting for cash. I don't think he'll be hurting for cash. In fact, I do think... Uh, I just, you know, do want to say, like... Uh, originally, they were looking at uh, jail time for him. But mm-hmm. uh, obviously, that's not happened anymore. He has no. gotten off kind of scot-free in yeah, this situation. Yeah, kind of a light slap on the list. Because he's a first-time offender. He's not done anything as a result of this. So, you know. Maybe it's an extension yeah. of how, like, celebrities don't tend to get as harsh a punishment. I don't know if that applies in japan yeah possibly i just don't know what his celebrity status is in japan like mm-hmm. if this were some guy in america and he were like the creator of uh of, i don't know um, george lucas some yeah, george lucas or something it came out and he had child pornography uh yeah he'd get the celebrity treatment he'd get thrown in the celebrity jail probably or he'd spend several months in luxury and uh being taken care of and be a then vacation he'd, for him, really. yeah he'd be a vacation and then he'd just come out and be like all right i'm gonna go make movies again yeah pretty much that's how it goes oh. yeah yeah uh that brings me to my next piece of news here which is a little bit of sad news so akihibara it's uh kind of you know basically modernizing everywhere and now we're going to have to say goodbye to a restaurant that actually predates 
any anime TV series ever. Uh, this is uh, a restaurant called Kanda Shokuru, which uh, has been a part of the Akihibara neighborhood for close to 60 years. Unfortunately, the restaurant is going to have to be closing its doors for good uh, this month. As it's, uh, even though it's still super popular, it gets a lot of people coming to it. It just doesn't have anyone to continue its legacy anymore. Mm. A uh, notice came out that said, Thank you for supporting us since our opening in 1958. We apologize for the suddenness of this announcement, but due to various factors, we have decided to close our restaurant. From the bottom of our hearts, we would like to express our deep appreciation for the patronage our customers have bestowed upon us over the so many years. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, I mean, sucks. you can even see pictures where mm-hmm. people in business suits are just lined up outside this restaurant trying to get in because it's, it's seeing the inside of it, it's like those anime where it's like that restaurant in the middle of uh, Akihibara that they just go to like oh let's stop by the ramen restaurant and you know like get some tonkatsu or something over here you know it feels like that kind of restaurant you know even from like persona like there was Uh a restaurant that you would go to and you'd just have some like noodles and ramen it looks like that restaurant Mm -hmm. and it's in the middle of such a bustling city it's like history yeah, and, and as you said, the tragic thing is like it's not like it went out of business because no one was interested. It's because of outside sources that's the reason it's closing. So, Yeah, it's gotten so. plenty of business. It's just it seems that the owners and other parties who run the restaurant just can't keep it up. Wow. Well, So it is uh, going by the wayside. Yep, the end of an era. I see. Well, I guess in a similar sort of note, we're, we're also, I guess I'm not talking about restaurants, but it's a cafe, really. Um, you know the Tales Off series? You've played a little bit of it, right? The various Oh yeah, I played uh, two of the games. I played Tales of Vesperia mm. and uh, mm. Tales of the Abyss. Ah, well, Abyss is one of my favourites, yeah. So, that series is one of my favourite series anyway, that's amongst GRPGs at the very least, and it's getting a... It's having an event now called the Tales of VR Cafe. Melina's Cafe, which is based on the smartphone game Tales of Race. I'm guessing that's the blonde-haired girl with the red costume in this, in this article. And the event's being held at Namco's Anion Station at March the 1st till April 15th, my birthday, by the way, um, 2018. The selling point of, the, arc, of the, the whole cafe is basically you can order your food and you it's a VR experience, as the name implies, and you basically pay to eat food and sit with your um, <laughs> favourite... Tales of characters. I don't think it has all the characters, to be fair, but the, <laughs> you check out the prices. You got the light course, which is 2,800 yen, which includes one food or drink, <laughs> overpriced already, plus the VR content. I'm sure that costs the most. Uh, normal course, which is 3,600 yen, which includes an extra VR skits, so you can basically have the the two of the uh, Tales of characters interact with each other for like a little skit sequence. Or a special course, which is 4,800 yen, which includes a souvenir at the end, and I'll go over the souvenirs in just a bit. So yeah, you basically have these uh, these characters from the, the various games sitting around you while you eat your food, uh, which are also based off of foods in the series itself. Um, you get to eat amongst popular characters such as Yuri Lowell or Luke von Fabre, which you'll know from Tales of Abyss, actually, <laughs> the main character from that, Speak of Devil, and sit down to talk to you. 
Um, you can have special kit. When you have the special skits, you can also choose which characters interact with each other. So you can choose uh, Mick Cleo to talk with Asphale, or you can have Mick Cleo talk with Luke instead. It's already it's all really up to you what you do during these special skits. Um, and the foods that are there includes foods that are popular within the Tales of series, including a tofu mapo tofu curry rice, a chazuki rice with soda drink, a shrimp carbonara that X fished himself. I don't know who X is. I guess it's one of the game characters. A mm-hmm. Tirna Nog desert platter. And finally, a fruit chocolate parfait. There's also a list of drinks here that are all based off of the characters they're on. And you can see they have different colours that kind of represent them in a badge on top. So there's, so far we have Leon Magnus, Yuri Lawwell, Luke von Fabre, Asphil Lant, Mila Maxwell, and Mick Cleo, respectively, from left to right in the images. Um... And then finally, it has these images of the souvenirs that you can take if you bought the the most expensive tier. Amongst which looks like the you can get like a tin of sweets. Um, I I hope those are chocolate coins that are based off of the um I guess the gold currency that is often used in the Tales of series. What looks to be a large record vinyl. I don't know what's on the record vinyl. Doesn't say here. And then finally, I'm guessing those are drink coasters. So for that extra investment of I think what was like another. Ten dollars, you can get one of these souvenirs, or maybe you get all of those souvenirs. I hope it's all of those souvenirs. Um, with your visit, you probably don't get them all because they're pretty stingy. So, yeah, there you go, VR experience. I can't wait to see what other anime and um games in general they choose to expand out with this VR experience sort of idea in the future. If you have any ideas, I don't know. Comment it here. I guess. I would totally fuck Yuri Lowell. What? Sorry? Yeah. What? So, uh, Tales of Vesperia character, Yuri. Uh, He's the uh, dude with the long hair. Oh, has he got the purple hair? Yeah, the purple hair. Yeah, you would total fuck what? Totally fuck him. Oh, really? Yeah, I've not played he's, Vesperia. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a, uh, a couple outfits in the game that are kind of feminine in nature. Um, right. And he has a very... He has a very, like, almost gen- not gender-neutral tone about him, but mm. at certain points, it almost seems like, you know, he's very uh, flippant, I'd say, ah. uh, because mm. he has a relationship with another male character that at points feels romantic. Um, mm-hmm. And he definitely seems like he'd be a bottom um, I'm sure oh, there yeah. are ro- there are Fujoshi out there who are fucking screaming <laughs> right now. Like, oh, yeah, no, he's probably. the top. He'd fuck everyone else. He's like, no. What's the what no, term? I, is it like be... Uki and what? It's Uki and something else. Same and uh, Uki the or something. Catcher yeah. in the Rye? Oh, I don't know. Fucking... <laughs> I don't know. Um, catcher, pitcher uh, and catcher, whatever. So, he'd definitely be a catcher. So your appeal with him is sort of like he's almost like a Tales of Trap kind of character. Um, is he close to being a trap or what? Well, they kind of play it up at certain points, and because of mm-hmm. that, because of they played it up, I kind of got like that, oh, and he's got the long hair already, so like you throw him on a dress, you bend him over, that's not much. You, okay. you let your imagination <laughs> do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Moving on from... Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess we can... Yeah, that. that's the last one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can get into our uh, our reviews. Mm-hmm. 
of which we're both just doing reviews this week. No joint review, no no fusion, haas, no nothing. No. Just, just plain old reviews. Plain old vanilla anime pulse right here. Yep. Yep. And starting off this week, I will be doing Kyokai no Rene Season 3, which I have titled Heading for the Reincarnation Wheel. So here we are, the final season of Kyokai no Rene, and what a letdown it was. Oh. Rominko Takahashi's latest adaptation finds itself withering away like a flower bush that hasn't received a good watering at some time, and it hurts to see it go like that. This is the work of a mangaka who got me into anime with Ranma one half and kept me up late watching Inuyasha on Adult Swim. So I really, really wanted to see those feelings again. Instead, I came to the conclusion that Rominko-san just doesn't have a good grasp on how to progress relationships. And, perhaps, just isn't suited for creating new series this day and age. This season doesn't really do much in terms of progressing for anyone, as it just reintroduces old characters for a third time, and gives us a couple new ones to chew on. A good majority of the anime is spent on giving old characters their own episode of screen time, but not building upon those characters, just reiterating who they are and what their motivations are. The narrator voice doing its damnedest to really screw in the details over and over and over and over again. I thought at first this might be a bit, but... With how often it happens and how unfunny it is, there's just no way. From the previous two seasons, we say Rene, the impoverished half Shinigami, Sakura, the deadpan love interest, uh, Rokuman, the cat sidekick, Subasa, the rich rival, uh, Tamako, the super gilf, Ageha, the other girl who likes Rene, uh, Kain, the other guy who hates Rene, Masato, the token demon, Sabato, Rene's criminal father, Renge, the girl who likes Kain, Binjin, or Bijin, Sabato's whipped lover, and all the other side characters make a reappearance. Some get a whole episode dedicated to them, while others have to share part of an episode, which is usually based upon how popular the character is. Of the two new characters we get, only one really has much in the way of progressing the story. First up, though, is the teacher with a crystal ball named Hitomi, who is apparently a descendant of a line of witches, but is too lazy to become one. She pops up here and there to whip out her ball and make everyone's eyes turn into spirals, usually showing them a future event that episode builds up to. The other, and by far better character, is Otome, Rene's missing mother. Apparently, she got dragged into the reincarnation wheel and was reborn as a human child. She reunites with Rene and shares some very interesting details about her marriage to Sabato, including the fact she was only a couple years younger than Sabato's mother when they met. Hot. <laughs> Overall, we only get a couple of episodes that mean anything, with the rest only keeping your attention with some mild humor and some pretty tame fan service. The anime ends with the biggest event for Rene and Sakura as they end up confessing their feelings for one another and begin dating. That's good. I think. Oh. I think. Oh. See, 
this is a problem with the other works I've seen by Rominko-san, as she just doesn't do a good job of showing us this part of the relationships. In Ranma, one half, we go from saving the girl to their wedding. And in Inuyasha, we go from saving the girl to having kids. The words, I love you, are never uttered, and we are left to imagine what happened. Our final scene being a picnic with Rene and Sakura, where Rene finally calls Sakura by her first name, which in this anime is basically like first base. <laughs> it is sad to say, but the third season of Kyokai no Rene failed to leave me happy. I wasn't unsatisfied per se, but I was mostly, I was most certainly not delighted. We don't see an end to Rene's terrible father, Sakura's character becomes even less deadpan, and the lack of story progression left me high and dry. Uh, as with the previous season, Kyokai no Rene's animation is still overseen by Brain's Base, a studio that worked on Bloodlad, Defrag, and One Week Friends. My thoughts on the animation haven't changed at all, as it was very similar to Inuyasha, simple and glossy. However, this doesn't mean it's bad, since that's the best kind of thing we expect and look for in Miss Takahashi's works. If anything, the animation was still one of the best parts. The voice acting was pretty meh. I mean, I'm still moot on this point. Sure, everyone fit well enough with their character and did a good job acting, but it didn't blow my socks off. And for my favorite character, well, with Sakura's character type making an almost complete change from the deadpan she was in the first season, I'm going to be giving this one to Otome Rokudo. The only character to ever give Sabato the beating he deserves, Otome is constantly trying to help her son get together with Sakura as she recognizes his feelings for the girl. She's pretty smart and due to being reincarnated, very mature for her age. And thankfully, she and Sabato don't get back together once they reunite, uh, making a, a very serious joke about how no, no, she's a child now. I couldn't, I couldn't get into that. And she's like, no, no, he's way too old for me. Oh, okay. So, uh, Kyokai no Rene, season three, get to Netflix. Ah, uh, it declined. It went from a crackers to Netflix. <clears throat> yep, great. So, greatly so. It went from a download now to a crackers to a Netflix. Mm. Do you read the manga as well, or is it? Nope, no. No, okay. Just wondering. Yep. I see. Okay. Coolio. I and there's no more continuation. there's no chance of a continuation here, they don't leave anything open. No, at the end of that one they gave the end, like you know, the finale, the fin ending oh. to it, where it's basically like, ah, this is the ending to the mm. season. Mm. So it's not it's not the worst thing ever, it's just it could have been better at the end. That's, that's what it saying. could have been way better. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in that scenario, they would have, you know, I, I almost get the sense that the author, has she, has she, is she married? Has she had kids? Rominko Takahashi? Like, oh yeah. yeah, she's married. Yeah, I'm just wondering, because I'm just thinking like, a lot of the time when I read like these shoujo mangas or something, or shoujo anime, I get the idea that the, the, the women that write them a lot of the time, like, oh, they haven't really had a real relationship, so they just romance about like the idea of getting together, but that's the reason they're stuck on like, the conclusion of the anime is just, 
they start going out. So I wonder if a lot of the authors have actually been like in a relationship a lot of the time. So I do wonder that myself sometimes. Yeah. Um, mm. Specifically, male mangaka and male um, mm. writers who mm-hmm. haven't experienced that type of romance in their life. Yeah. So they don't know which way it goes. Yeah. Which is uh, why it's interesting to see some of the mangakas and writers who do have that relationship. Um, Specifically, I can think of one who Mm -hmm. was the writer to uh, uh, To Love Rue. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, or the mangaka, sorry. the Basically, the author behind it. He had a wife who he based the pink-haired character from the first season on. Mm. Like the pink-haired Lala? alien. Lala? Is that her name? I think so. Yeah. She's in yes. J-Star, so like, I, I think I know her name. Like, she's got the two sisters that come out afterwards who <laughs> kind of are look those like based her. On her uh, are those based on his wife's, like, do- well, uh, like sisters? No, that <laughs> no, the no. one character was based on his wife, oh, okay, but they yeah. ended up having a pretty bad divorce. Oh, during, shit. <laughs> during the during that production, oh, and no. what happened is he kill he basically killed off the character as a romantic partner. <gasps> oh shit! And he switched it to focusing more on two characters, one being the golden-haired Lolly, who has been in a few of his other works. Who? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I forget what they call her, like the Golden Destruction I, yeah, or something. I forget what they say. I don't know. And the other being the little sister. She has two little sisters. Oh, wait. Her, his Being little sister. His little sister. Little right. sister. <laughs> oh, I hate him. All right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Um, that's, that's, so, that's so sad. Like, the manga imitates reality because, like, he had, like, an OTP for his anime and then it changed because of something that happened in his real life because, obviously, it would bring up bad memories if he ended up with Lala or whatever the pink-haired girl's name was. That's... Oh, yeah. And I'm, you could definitely tell, too, because... At one point, she cuts her hair, which oh. is basically a death flag for any romance in any character in anime. When oh, really? the female character cuts her hair, that is pretty much a flag of like, this is not going to work out because they're going through a whole change. They're moving away from the character. And when our protagonist was in love with that character, that was them before they cut mm. their hair. When they cut their hair, they're no longer that character. Oh, it's kind of like a reverse look because like, you play Tales of Abyss, right? Like yes. he has long hair at the start, and like um, the main girl in that game, ah, uh, fuck, what's her fucking name? Y- you know who, who I'm talking about? I think the brown-haired girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the, yeah, she's the main girl. Yeah, basically her. Yeah, the uh, chick that eventually she, yeah. he wants to bang at the towards yeah. the end. She she doesn't like him for the most part at the start, but though she has like some pity on him. Then he cuts his hair. It's the opposite. He cuts his hair, and then she starts to actually like him because he changes as a person. And he changes exactly. into actually, yeah. So it's the opposite. Well, I mean, yeah. he was a mopey bitch for most of that yeah, game. Which such an let asshole. me just say something. Yeah. about uh-huh. Tales of the Abyss. Oh yeah, the fucking generals that fall yeah. in love, and then the one that dies, and oh, then the clone that exists of him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're not going to let them fucking get together? Like, just have the clone be like, oh, I remember my memories and stuff, and I want to totally have a marriage with this girl who I was... Mm-hmm. Everything was happy. Why'd you have to fuck it up? Tells the abyss, you motherfuckers. Let me marry those two. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's more romantic in the sense where she's like, you know, there could have only been one. 
so in some ways it's more romantic, I guess. Because it, it could have only been the Bach, other I say, because she meets Bach. the clone, and uh-huh. the clone just, like, kind of disses her, or doesn't diss her, just disregards her. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it's like, no, like, sh- that could have worked. It could have worked. <laughs> you could have had Hells something. Hells of the Abyss. <laughs> could have had something special. Uh, all right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I wanted, I like, probably... a New Game Plus feature where you could mm-hmm. actually get the memories from the husband <laughs> Implanted in the clone, and the clone stays on the planet, and mm-hmm. ends up uh, marrying uh, the the wife, the other general. Yeah, yeah, because it's like two countries. I, I mean, I suppose it says something about like good side quest design. Because I mean, this is a side quest, and yet it still has you kind of invested. So, I think that's also a good sign of the, for the game itself, where it's like this is a side. Oh yeah, story. it was a yeah. pretty good mm-hmm. game. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Tales of series is it's got its hits and misses, but I think Abyss has like one of the best stories. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this, yeah, your yeah. your anime. What's <laughs> uh, what's yeah, going on yeah. there? Yeah. So uh, today's today's serving is a uh, uh, show I previewed called Juni Tyson or Zodiac War. Um, released fall of last year, and it's an edgy action battle royale style show by Studio Graphinica. <laughs> oh fuck! Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is that your opinion? Is that your final review? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, they they have worked in such shows as Helsing Ultimate and the Heroic Legend of wait, sorry, the Hero- Heroic Legend of Aslan and Love Live. Aslan, <laughs> sorry, shit. I think of the line the witch in the wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> the Legend of Aslan and Love Live, the school idol movie. So you know, one of these things is not like the other. It's a pretty simple one to explain. The 12 episodes detail the free-for-all that's set in an empty city, wherein 12 combatants all hail from sort sort of a house that uh, or body that represents an animal of the Chinese Zodiac, and have their own individual style of killing. They each ingest a gem that will poison them and kill them within 12 hours, putting a time limit to the shenanigans, and other than that, anything goes, with some combatants forming groups and others flying solo. Oh, and the prize is only any wish you want, probably worth knowing. Um, The episode structure goes something like this. Focus on one of the contestants and about their backstory and lead them that led them to the Juni Tyson. Show some ba- uh, action in the present time, and then someone dies at this at some point of the episode. Quite often at the end, because, you know, that raises the tension. Because the premise uh, of this... Uh, because the premise, this template that the show constantly follows will likely be the dominant factor as to whether you'll enjoy the show or even finish it. At least that's the impression I got when I looked at Mal uh, and its reviews and its scores. The plus is that the episodes feel kind of balanced because they follow the structure. You get your fill of some action, some downtime, and a climax of each installment, which I could say is efficient. Plus, at best these elements enhance each other. The backstories invite a change of scenery to the nighttime city setting of the current time and create more investment for the characters while the present day events of the Juni Tyson provide conclusions to their various arcs while providing the best examples of action the show has to offer. The flip side to this is that the show is quite formulaic, not exactly Monster of the Week levels of repetitive, but comparatively so, especially when you consider the really obvious order in which the contestants get sent to the Shadow Realm. So that in mind, if all you're after is a super tense and suspenseful plot where you are heavily invested in the characters and then, you know, 
uh, then go and watch, uh, I don't know, something else, probably Death Note, because you're, you're not really going to get that <laughs> here. <laughs> you know, it, it'll, be sur- it'll be no surprise to anyone that 12 episodes is not enough time to provide 12 fully fleshed out characters. Some do fare better than others, but overall they're basically just archetypical, you know, characters that we, we come to know from the sort of, you know, anime spectrum. This does make it easy to understand the motivations getting into the action, and the creators seem to be aware of this, opting to make the cast stand out in design and fighting style, rather than going for realism at all. This for me is rather hit or miss. Some characters fared better in the aesthetic side. I, I really liked Ox's matador look. It was very appropriate because, you know, bulls, matadors. Uh, Rabbit was very memorable and Chicken was special. Amongst the powers, Rabbit was neat. You know, Rats was very interesting, his powers. And Chicken's was special. It's good when these abilities are based off the animals, such as Chicken's death by pecking, or an extension of their personality, such as Boar's excessive nature being represented by her infinite ammo ability. But these are prime examples, and I couldn't tell you the relationship between rams and explosions. As for the flashback stories, I'd say they were decent enough. At the very least, I was not bored while they were on, and they're not entirely devoid of action either. I wouldn't say I found any of them particularly compelling. Heck, one of the more interesting characters in the show doesn't have a backstory at all. As they are, But they are functional, and add some world building, like um, Ram's past Juni Tyson experience, and they also add some character development, you know, even for characters that are already knocked out. So, like, even if a character's dead, you can get some in- extra insight into, like, you know, what their life was like before Juni Tyson, which is still kind of interesting. I like how the dynamic it can make the show's cast when you see some of them cameo in each other's flashbacks, so some of them even have a history with each other. And neater still is the technique that they use at the very end to tell us what each of their wishes would have been. I'm not going to spoil how they do it, but they, they manage to show each character expressing themselves even more at the end. It doesn't matter like that they're dead or not. Besides mentioning the surprisingly large amount of veteran voice actors that they brought to the table, they've they've got a lot of voice actors here that... I'm surprised how many really acclaimed voice actors they have for this this show, by the way. You can, you can look it up yourself. Who all do a good job. Um, that's all i got to say about the characters, though. So, But that segments as well into the sound sort of side of things. Now, audio in general is a field I have not very much experience in. So I usually don't touch upon it unless it's very good or very bad. And this show kind of fits more into the former. Sound effects were handled pretty well here and there and were... I couldn't tell that they were like stock sound effects if they were stock sound effects. As mentioned, the voice work was solid, but they, what I really have to give a shout out to is the OP and ED uh, to a lesser extent. The song for both felt fitting with the tone of the show and the animation with the OP song was really well done. There's this real build up to it and by the chorus, I was always pumped up for every episode's like, going into it because I was watching the the OP with the action and I was just kind of ready to get into it. Oh, Jesus, I'm so gassy. Fuck. Uh. Anyway, moving on. The visuals in this show, I'd say, uh, is again pretty well done. I do get the sense that at times this is the same company that was at least partially involved with the, uh, the production of Helsing Ultimate. Sadly down to its shortcomings as well. Don't get me wrong, the CG was used in Helsing to animate Alucard's undead army was, um, although noticeable, it was masked by like the amount of assets that were on screen at the same time, and also because like Alucard's army is an undead army, so like you kind of get the sense that it's not supposed to look natural anyway. So the CG kind of looks good. In Judy Tyson, however, 
It was incredibly distracting and janky when it was used to carry fight scenes. Sure, they used this to take advantage of rotating perspectives, so they're kind of using the 3D aspect of it, but the faces animate like PS3 game models, and to be and to the more subtle movements, it just feels very off. The opening again is the only part that gets away with using CG, as it's stylized visually and has intense shadows to kind of cover up the shortcomings, and there's not so many weird movements involved. How fortunate is it that, really, that um, this issue really only exists for episodes 9 and 10, I think. The rest of the anime was kind of really well animated when it was done in 2D, uh, or the CG in those elements were so subtle that I didn't notice them. So, only episodes 9 and 10 are the blunders, but everything else was well animated. I do wonder if it was either to save time or someone genuinely felt the fight scenes would look better this way, but as is, it's a blemish on an otherwise very good-looking anime. I have used words like efficient or solid thus far in judging the various aspects of Juni Tyson, and that's what I'd say it is. It's a very efficient at being a solid show and what it seems to be aiming for, which is just a fun battle royale story that you can just kind of jump in and be entertained with on a very basic level. I'm sorry to the people who seemed like they couldn't get behind it on the grounds that it wasn't mentally challenging enough to make themselves feel smart or gritty enough to make yourself feel like you're grown up, or deep enough to stroke your ego. But I do wonder on what grounds, or at least two of those, why you would were expecting that to be here in a show where a girl is wearing a dumb chicken suit and using a pitchfork. You could prefer it if it wasn't structured so predictably, but it's hard for me to pick at it when it's very clear that it's there for a purpose, with it's just like it's just really obsessed with tying into the Chinese zodiac myth, reinforced by the constant reference to the number twelve, to the order in which they show the characters in the ED. So to round it off, uh, on its own, I don't think Junie Tyson is a, the greatest thing ever, mind you. I do think your results will vary based on how you read the show. The show is not as dark or adult as deep uh, or adult and deep as it seems to think it is. And joking aside from earlier, I I acknowledge how it can be a bit off-putting because of this. Like you know, like when Sonic the Hedgehog went through its teen emo phase. But if you're experiencing the show as I did, where it's a short shonen battle anime with a bit of edgy clothing on top, it ain't half bad. And as much as I picked at the structure being predictable, it's not like it's below throwing like the odd twists and curveballs here and there to keep it interesting. It's like an action flick, you know, you know, where Keanu Reeves is going to get revenge for his dog, but by the end, it's a fun action, you know, it's, it's fun action and, you know, it's the hows and whys getting to where the top plot is going to be. That's, that's where the entertainment's to be found. On that front, I can tell that at the very least, or a bunch of, of the people who worked on this project really cared about putting some effort into Juni Tyson, so I'm going to give it a crackers. I think they had the right idea about having big characters with big fighting styles duke it out, and, uh, and they are memorable, but I think a little more was needed to make them larger than life and escalate this to a higher rating. Um... If they could also that, if they could also if they cut out the janky CG animation, honestly, like I don't know whose idea episode nine was, but you know what even was that? That was fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I like, that, that's the only part of the anime that actually looks technically bad. Oh, Jesus, but yeah. Apart so that, mm. I know it's a spoiler, but who ends up winning? Is it the oh, bunny dude? It's fucking no, it's fucking obvious. It's like they just follow the Chinese zodiac. Oh, I'm saying it's the rat. You know, like, you know, the order of the Chinese Zodiac, where it's like, pay, yep. 
blah, 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 blah. You know, just you just look up any Chinese Zodiac diagram. And at the very end, it's rat. They're very obvious with this too. Like, at the end of the opening, rat. I don't even fucking think this counts as a spoiler. And if it does, who fucking cares? Like, like I said, the plot is not very, like, it's more the journey getting there. Um, the, the ED and stuff, they always show rat at the end because rat wins. The order in which the characters die, for the most part, just follows the sequence of the Chinese Zodiac. You know, they're they're not really fixated on making the story like real. Oh, whoa, look at this! What a twist! You know, like I thought, like me and my friend were thinking, oh, they're gonna throw in like an extra animal in there. It's gonna be like a big twist. There's gonna be like a cat in there, but they don't even do that. You know, they're more obsessed with making it feel more symbolic. You know, like I said with number twelve, because there's twelve I mean, animals in the zodiac. Kind of a cat. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because Rat says that at the very end. <laughs> he's like, like, he gets interviewed by like, you know, one of the guys and he's like, oh, you know, what are you, are you, are you interested in the fact that there's no cat in the Zodiac? And like Rat's like, well, the tiger counts, you know? So actually, it's funny you say that. So mm-hmm. Who ends I was just up thinking killing of, the, hmm? the rabbit. What's that? Who ends up killing Rabbit because he seemed like he was a pretty OP character. Oh, he is OP. He is fucking OP. He basically lasts till the end. Uh, Rat. Rat takes him out. Oh. Rat takes out him and everyone else at the end. Uh, they all have different principles, remember? Like, oh, I'm going to kill by pecking. I'm going to kill by biting. I'm going to kill by... It, systematically, they all have their different mantras. Oh, so... Oh, it's knocked over the microphone. Um, You know, death by whatever. They all have their different death. Like, death by peacefulness and all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Rat's, Rat's mantra is... Death by, you know, killing everybody. So he kills everyone, basically. Ah. He yeah. infected them all with the bubonic plague. Mm, well, it's to do with his <laughs> ability. I don't know if I, sh- I should spoil his ability, but basically, there's a very low chance you'll be able to kill a rat. <laughs> basically. He's he's able to basically undo his death in some way. I, I don't want to spoil too much, because that's, ah, that's spoiling so the he's kind of twist. That's mm-hmm. like his gimmick. He's kind of immortal. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Kinda. It is possible to kill him, but for the most part, he's immortal in a way. So, yeah, he he was going to win inevitably, which does make me wonder how other Junie Tysons, like other, because this is the twelfth, you know, Zodiac War that's ever happened. Of course, because twelve is symbolic of the animals. I do wonder how like other animals won the other ones if Rat has such a, a broken ability. You know? Well, I mean, it was mentioned at the very beginning that, like, one of the first characters, the one I was supported, the big busty boar, um, she ends up getting deaded by uh, mm-hmm. by the uh, bunny who yeah. surprises her with his ability to bring back the dead. Yep, that's uh, in episode one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, and it's a real uh, twist, too. And all the other characters her, remark about... I'm sorry? What you her father was the previous winner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no, no, like... She is really powerful too, because like you know the other the other members talk about how like oh I'm lucky that she got taken out early because otherwise Boar would have been like really dominant in this tournament. Yeah, she had unlimited ammo in twin submachine guns. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So it's like, and you see in her flashback that she's like you know she's not even she's not even bad without her gun. She's got a lot of CQC abilities. Um, she's able to like take people. Yeah, it was just that rabbit surprised her. Yeah, it's a surprise. Rabbit Rabbit is, like, one of the standout characters. If I was to say favorite characters in the show, like, you know, how you do with your reviews, it would be Chicken. But, you know, Rabbit would be up there, too. <laughs> Rabbit would be up there. Like, Chicken's fucking design is so stupid. 
That is so fucking great. Uh, I don't really care so much for her personality, though. Like, hers is supposed to be that she's, like, this edgy character who, like, can't remember her past, and she doesn't know her emotions and stuff and her feelings. And she's just, like, gotten through life seduced, like, you know, using her charms to, like, fool people and kill them and stuff, you know, as an assassin. But, like, it's weird because then suddenly when she goes to the Ginny Tyson, suddenly she can tr- she can control birds. And that's not really in her flashback. So it's just so weird. She just randomly can control birds. I, I-, I love how she fights with her rake, though. It's such a stupid weapon. Well, I, wish- I wish everybody had a stupid weapon. And that's why she lost to the bull. Yeah, yeah. Bull, bull was, um... Oh, he's something else. He's suppo- he's- he was the favorite to win for the tournament. Yeah, in most cases he would have won, but you know, strategy sometimes beats raw power. I guess in the end, it's moral. Yeah, someone just took out a red flag and started waving it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is the matador, actually. He's dressed. My weakness. Ah! <laughs> okay, so yeah, crackers, crackers. All right, mm-hmm. crackers. All right, so uh, that does it for this episode of Anime Pulse. I thank all of our thousands. Wow, thousands of listeners, oh, viewers, right? Look at all these people. Oh, fucking, like, there's there's the one there. Thank you. Yeah. There's another one there. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's wow, just, I can't count them. I think like, that one flashed her tits at me. Oh, whoa, thank whoa, you. Whoa. It's crazy in here. You should you should get in on this chat. Jesus, wow. Oh, that one's throwing her little sister on stage. You better run. <laughs> Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, well, that does it for another episode of Anime Pulse. Uh, And uh, until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong.